you want a lover, I'll do anything you ask me to. And if you want another kind of love, I'll wear a mask for you. If you want a partner, take my hand, or if you want to strike me down in anger, here I stand. I'm your man. Hey, everybody! Welcome to the Directors Club podcast. I am Jim Laskowski. So, um, so sorry for the delay in getting out a new episode. It's been about three weeks or more, maybe. Um, I was in New York for a few days, and I'll talk more about that more when I reconvene with my host for the next episode. Uh, Patrick was kind enough to take the helm for the just-uploaded Samuel Fuller episode, and I know you'll want to dive into that lengthy discussion on a very influential director with guest Kurt Halfyard. But I wanted to offer up a quick mini bonus episode here to talk about some of the best films of the year so far. Joining me is returning guest and fan favorite, Mr. (laughs) Eric Childress. Welcome once again. Welcome to everybody. Hello, everyone. So, of course, Eric, you made quite the impression with the uh, Christopher Nolan episode, as we <laughs> brought up before, and I, I, I imagine I can already guess which movie will be number one on your list at the end of the year. <laughs> you're already, already, you're, 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 you're paring me down to what? <laughs> I, well, I mean, who are we kidding here? But, <laughs> but seriously, it, I mean, it's Interstellar is clearly my most anticipated film of the year. There's just there's no getting around that. That trailer looks pretty, pretty, pretty good. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. And I just I watch it, I'm just like sitting there I'm like, I hope this movie's three hours long. I want I this too. movie to be three hours long. I don't mind if it's like Christopher Nolan's version of Contact. I think that'd be fucking great. That's, well, that's exactly <laughs> the vibe I'm getting from it. Yeah. Totally getting the contact here. vibe and that is a good thing. Yes. My world it is. I am with you, as most people might remember. <laughs> yeah, go and listen to the Zemeckis version of the DC podcast, and uh, yes. you'll hear what I think about Contact and what I think about people who don't like Contact. <laughs> or for so for one matter. person. Yeah, yeah, well, it happens. It does happen. He's young Quite a lot with time. me. That's okay. So let's get right down to it, since this is going to be a shorter conversation than what most people are used to, since we ramble on for like two and a half hours sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But in case um, our audience is indeed looking for some new stuff to watch uh, before the end of the year, we're going to throw ten titles, maybe a few runners-up that we consider to be favorites so far. Mm -hmm. Uh, Really excited to hear um, what you have on your list, Eric. So why don't you start us off? Where are we going here? Number 10 on my list? That we're yeah. just going to go from 10 on down? Let's do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, 10 on my list is Obvious Child. Uh, Jenny Slate's uh, the film that uh, uh, she stars in and I really think is a, quite a breakout role. You know, People sort of describe it as the abortion comedy from Sundance. <laughs> uh, but it, it's, it's much more than that. It's, it's really funny. It's incredibly sweet. Uh, I think Jenny Slate gives one of the best female performances of the year. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I really, it was, it was, it was a really great surprise from Sundance because I've seen so many, um, films of its type, especially, like, 
women comics try to get their own movie at Sundance and they try mm. to, to do something a little you know female centric uh, and I've seen a lot of those fail at Sundance yeah. so I was kind of uh, you know nervous when I saw this there but it really it was one of the best films I saw at this year's festival yeah well that one will be coming up and um, it's it's weird because I am actually uh, quite the fan of Jenny Slate. I didn't know her too well, but obviously I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts, and every time mm-hmm. that she's been on, she's made me laugh out loud. Yeah, she's and, funny. She's yeah, terrific. Really charming. Um, and I was kind of concerned because the last comedian-centric movie that I saw was Sleepwalk with me, Mike Rabiglia's movie. Yes. And I, I wasn't too crazy about it. I didn't dislike it. I just... Yeah. I just found it to be pretty flat and ordinary. Like I, I like him, yeah, a lot. I think he's very mm-hmm. funny. Um, and obviously, he talks about a really interesting sleep disorder. And um, yeah, you know, it, it's it's not a bad movie. I just it, it just didn't stand out for me. Um, and I think that e- even with something like Mark Maron's TV show, it, it's really difficult now to compete with somebody like Louis. Like, he right. is breaking ground left and right and challenging audiences and, you know, even going more dramatic than expected to where, like, a lot of, you know, comedian-centric uh, films or TV shows just just leave me cold most of the time. But Obvious Child is really great, and I'll talk yeah. about it again soon. And Louie's actually created the saddest comedy that's ever been on television. Mmm, Yeah. Yeah. That's that's I, every time I watch. Like I, there were times, especially like the the, the back half of this last season that just sure. ended, where I was almost afraid to watch it mm-hmm. because, because there was a part of me like you would go almost an entire episode sometimes and you just you won't laugh right. and, you, and you start thinking like wasn't this is Louis a com a comedian yeah. like what what am I watching here and and it always turns out to be really something special but it's not always funny. I know it's it's uncomfortable. Yes, and, and like he's getting to like a, the deeper themes about miscommunication, and I think it was weird because like I was having this strange like Lynchian theory of maybe all this is a dream because like some of these interactions <laughs> just don't seem real. I mean, like they would happen in the real world, but he's always toyed with surrealism anyway, and I. I appreciate him for that, and like the, the episode with the hurricane, I was just like, "Holy shit!" Amazing, epi- amazing episode. Yeah. Oops, the phone's going off here. Have your secretary answer that. Yeah, I will. <laughs> Someone will get that. Hold on. I'll toss the phone out of the room. There it goes. Can't hear it now. You can still you? A, you still have a landline, right? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. A movie that I know is going to be higher up on your list. Okay. Um, I think we talked about it um, for the Spielberg episode, and I hadn't seen it yet, and you were really surprised. It's the Lego movie. Ah, yes. And it took a second viewing to push it up, and I'm... I don't know if it was just expectations going in, because everybody was, like, raving about it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. The only thing is... I just, like, the ADHD approach to its humor didn't always work for me. Um, I did laugh a lot, but just not as consistently as I expected to, because everybody's like, oh my god, it's funny from beginning to end, you're going to love it. Mm-hmm. And I, it, I, it, I definitely laughed, but there were things that I just kind of, you know, just maybe it passed me by, or I just groaned a little bit. 
but it's an incredibly fun movie, and I know I should adore it more and more, and I probably will upon rewatches. I, I do like it a lot, and we've had some, you know, subpar animated films come out, you know, the past few years, even from Pixar. Yeah, and especially one, from Pixar. Yeah, and and this one just, you know, it, it definitely stands out. It, it definitely came as a huge surprise this year. And the biggest surprise mostly comes in terms of its themes that slowly emerge late in the yes. film. That definitely got the waterworks going for me. I, I'll say, there's no way that that ending didn't affect you yeah. in some way. Oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it did. It, yeah. it, I just think, like, again, maybe I saw it too late in the game, and I just kept hearing, four stars, four stars, oh, my God, it's amazing, it's a masterpiece. And I just said, yeah, I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. But just not like head over heels in love with it. Okay. Uh, um, but I mean, I definitely found you know s- that that final you know reveal to be incredibly special. Uh, yeah. You know, it just it made me feel like a kid again and long for that kind of bond that I know you know all about. Eric. Certainly. <laughs> so it's it's a great movie, um, and I wouldn't be surprised that if I watch it a third time, uh-huh. maybe I'll like it even more. Yeah, I think I think we'll we'll talk about it a little bit more a little later. I bet. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, number nine on my list uh, is a sequel. Uh, one of a few sequels that actually on my top ten list, uh, and it's the Raid Two. Oh, okay. Yeah, this yeah. Is one I and didn't this is see yet, and I'm going to. Okay, and this and this kind of it's it sometimes even surprises me how high this is uh some people might think it's too low uh the 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 action fans out there but the raid 2 i mean the raid the original was such a well-oiled machine of a movie that was just non-stop and crazy um and it's only sort of problems that like when it would would stop in between the action it would you would sort of reveal itself to be you know as ordinary as so many you know action crime movies um but that was you only count for maybe 15 minutes of that original film this one they've expanded into like two and a half hours and expanded into two and a half hours where you basically just sort of taking sort of a plot you know kind of almost right out of the departed um you know, it really uh, the, the the stuff in between the action in this movie. It's a really bloated film, really bloated. But once again, once it hit gets to those action beats, and uh, it hits you know a number of the same great ones that we saw in the first one, and uh, Gareth Evans has even upped his game with. Uh, a pretty nifty car chase and some other stuff throughout the movie and some really you know crazy villains. Um, the the action is second to none. I mean, there's there's no one out there doing this type of action right now in such an insane way. Uh, so I it, it, I you know it, it probably shouldn't even be on my top ten list because of the stuff that surrounds the action. But the action is so good that I can't deny that it deserves a place in the top ten. Yeah, I've had that argument in the past where, you know, I, I just say that this one element or this one facet stands out so much in the movie that I can overlook the weaker elements. Right. I can, I can say, like, yeah, okay, maybe the acting wasn't so good, but oh my god, this one thing blew me away. Yeah. And I did feel that way about the first raid. Like, I just, I, I thought that, you know, it was kind of, plot heavy and maybe had a little too much downtime but when it was on it was totally oh yeah so i'm excited for the second one i just i i think i just steered clear 
um, you know, like, oh, two hours and 30 minutes, I got to find time for that. But yes. I, I'm definitely going to, uh, you know, just watch it at home and probably be as uh, impressed with the action mm-hmm. scenes as I was with the first one. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. Okay, well, number nine should come as no surprise to anybody who knows me, and it is They Came Together. Mm, Everyone knows how I feel about everything David Wayne has done, and Mm -hmm. for me, this is the comedy of the year. Uh, More laughs per minute with just enough snark and self-awareness to make it an enjoyable spoof that reminded me of the days of Top Secret. I mean, it's definitely not of that caliber. I'm not saying that it is, but... It certainly um, doesn't resort to the likes of the scary movie franchise or the what's the what's the 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 team that makes like the date movie and all that crap. Uh, Friedman and Seltzer, yeah. something. Yeah, those, Jason Friedman. That was those awful. Douchebags. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, because like those those movies, what what they do wrong is like, oh, it's you know Juno falling into poop. That's supposed to be funny. Like you know, right. oh, I know that movie. That you know, the reference is supposed to be. The joke, right. I guess, you know, and that's that's annoying to me. Mm-hmm. Whereas, um, you know, much like Wet Hot American Summer, David Wayne and Michael Showalter, they, they sort of remove the irony and just become really sincere in tackling the genre while making fun of it. But also, mm-hmm. you can tell they're fans <laughs> to some degree, you know, I mean, they're making fun, but they're actually, you know, doing their own spin on it. And there are moments in this where I just felt like, you know, the, the, the two of them... Because they've worked separately on on uh, two different things in the past too. Like as you know, and I think you're a fan, uh, Michael Showalter did the Baxter. And what's interesting about that is because it, like that was his, you know, sort of. I'm trying to think of the right word, you know, other than homage, but it was certainly, you know, his deconstruction. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, deconstruction yeah. of the romantic comedy. Um, and obviously when you have Michelle Williams, you're bound to be charmed. <laughs> and I, I liked that movie, um, but I just felt like it felt underdirected. It just it was just there, but I just, because I find mostly everything Michael Showalter and David Wayne, uh, you know, what they've done, I find it to be really endearing because, one, their sense of humor always clicks with me. Mm-hmm. And... Secondly, I just think I just think that they're very genuine in what they do. Like they're they're definitely detractors who go like, "Oh, Michael Ian Black, he's just kind of snarky and he you know, he he's condescending or whatever. Like uh. his his approach to humor is just you know, really you know, really in your face at some at some points, but I just like this whole group pretty much that derived from the state. Um I just like everything they do, and I, I went into this going, okay, I know I'm probably going to like this because I love everything else. There are moments in this where I was I hadn't laughed that hard in a long time. Like the, the there's a moment involving a bartender <laughs> that uh, takes yes. that whole sideshow Bob steps on a rake approach, mm-hmm. and it killed me. Um, yeah. I would have loved to have seen this with an audience. Thankfully, it's on demand, but oh, I don't, I don't know if it's playing like wide, mm. and I don't think it will. 
Yeah, the opening night of our Chicago Critics Film Festival. Yeah, I together. I should have been there. Yeah, you would have seen it with uh, quite a very enthusiastic audience. Uh, yeah. Kind of audience that uh, they were calling Lionsgate back in uh, Los Angeles <laughs> going, you will not believe what is going on here. Because apparently Los Angeles audiences did not get it. Really? It, yeah, apparently what we were being told is that when they had screening, like apparently the Sundance screenings didn't, over, didn't go over great. Uh, maybe it's because it's too close to Los Angeles. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, uh, but the, the, I, the, it it played at Sundance after I left, so I didn't get a chance to see it at Sundance. Um, but it, it played okay there, and but it didn't play in, very well in Los Angeles. When it came to Chicago, the Chicagoans got it. Yeah, like ev- everyone in that audience got the joke, and they were in on it. And they're like, I'm, you know, to compare it to the likes of Zucker Abrams is the right call because that is the the level that this movie is playing on it's you know it's not doing um you know complete overt kind of shtick that that movie is doing but it's clearly satirizing and more more parodying than than even satire uh the romantic comedy genre i thought it was much more this is the movie that i that i thought the baxter really wanted to be like, when I went into the Baxter, this was the kind of movie, you know, a, de- a deconstruction, if you will, of that genre that I was sort of expecting. And then the Baxter really let me down in that they had. The Baxter almost felt to me like, you know, a, a joke that was so funny that everyone forgot to laugh. You know, it was, it was like that of kind of thing. Output. It's definitely yeah. the weakest. I, yeah. I think there are just things about it that I still like. And um, it's weird because I heard on a podcast that this. This script has been sitting around for a long time. Like they they wrote this maybe like three or four years after you've got mail, and it's been sitting for so long that uh, the the Ed Helms character in They Came Together is essentially Michael Showalter's inspiration for making the Baxter. Oh, okay. So that like it's yeah. an extension. And the Baxter came after this script-wise, which is crazy. <laughs> well, I believe I think Wayne when at, when he was there for our Q and A, uh, I'm pretty sure he said that they were they, they they conceived this idea like on the set of Wet Hot American Summer. Okay, yeah. So they had talked about it then, and then they they scripted it out and whatnot, and it was basically it was, like you said, it was sitting around for so long, and they eventually just they they were had nothing to do. And they were just like, yeah, why don't we, why don't we give this one a shot? And right. they did it. And the in, another interesting thing to me, and I wish I, I'd like to get like a second confirmation on this. Although you know, David Wayne said it, so I, was, I assume he's telling the truth. Um, but the whole wraparound story, the sort of the forget Paris type wraparound story, where they're telling the story in the restaurant, was not in the original cut. That's correct. Yeah, I heard that. that the they, they actually filmed that after. Uh, Sundance is sort of because people weren't getting the joke. Yeah, yeah, I heard that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I found I found that really interesting, which is weird because that it seemed like such a natural thing to have in a movie like that. Like, is I mean, you've got mail is the obvious sort of inspiration for the plotting of the movie, but sure. the wraparound story is forget Paris. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, it is weird because like I was like, wow. I mean, they're, they they said that, and I was like, it felt like it belonged there. It felt very yeah. natural to include that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and you know, not to spoil anything, but there is a cameo late in this film <laughs> that destroyed me. Oh, good god! <laughs> and literally, without again, without spoiling the cameo, we we got a little insight into that too. Is that I guess he, that 
person was doing a play with Paul Rudd at the time. <laughs> Okay. So in between shootings, one they're just like, "Hey, you want to come and do this?" And they, they didn't like tell him like anything, you know. <laughs> like he, he showed up, does this thing, and then he's like, "Okay, are we done?" And it's like, awesome. you know, then it was gone, you know. So, so yeah, the the the, the cameo is at the end of the movie is pretty special. Uh, so yeah, they came together. It's in it's in my twenty. Cool. It's, it's definitely in my twenty. Yeah, I'm just I'm just a I'm just a David Wayne fanboy all around. No like, apologies. Yeah. Apologies. What can I say? Role all models, right. Wanderlust, What Hot American Summer, I like them all. Awesome. What's next for you, sir? Uh, next on my list is, uh, speaking of animated films, another sequel, How to Train Your Dragon 2. Mm, another one we'll be hearing about later. Yes. <laughs> um, another, just an unbelievably beautiful-looking animated film. And it should come as no surprise, because the original was such a wonder to see and it was a wonder that I saw only on my television at home. I didn't get to see the first one in a theater. Uh but that that sort of that beauty and the, the the joy of flight and those things, those images in the first movie really struck home with me and I really really like that first movie. And this one is I I don't know if it's better than the first one. I think I think I still like the first one a little bit more than this one. Uh but there's there's wonderful things. In this movie, real special stuff. Um, it really sort of shows that there's like going to be like a true arc for this trilogy. Assuming that they get to, you know, they they do come up with the third one. It's coming out in a couple of years because this this one is not pre- performing as it probably should. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I thought it was going to be the biggest film of the summer. So you know, I guess uh, yeah, that was. I'm, I'm really shocked to hear that too. Yeah, I I could not I cannot believe that people. I, I guess they were too busy taking their kids to see Maleficent. I don't know. I don't. I can't explain it. But it really that is. It's, with, it's, uh, it's, that happened years ago too, wasn't it? Like maybe the Looney Tunes movie and something else was out that everybody else was seeing instead. Yeah, was that wasn't the no? That because there were Incredibles and Polar Express. There was something that opened the week yeah. before Looney Tunes. That's um, but but nobody. I mean, but like nobody saw Looney Tunes. Right. <laughs> um, but you know, like the Dragon too. I just I don't I can't explain why because I'm just like I I where I, I thought all you people really liked How to Train Your Dragon from four years ago. Like mm-hmm. why you know you know I I don't know maybe because it's a little deeper. It's a little more adventure based. Um, and whatnot, but uh, the animation, uh, the, clearly the best animation of the year, uh, and you know, visually, uh, and uh, wonderful story, wonderful stuff uh, between uh, with, the, with the parents, there's really romantic stuff in the movie, um, it's exciting, it's, I mean, it's just, it was just, it was just an absolute joy watching this movie. Yep, and um, I echo your enthusiasm 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, let's disagree. Let's get there. Let's go there. <laughs> We're going to disagree on the next one. Okay. Coherence. Um, this one, did this open in Chicago at all? No. Really? Hmm. No. That's a I, don't, I don't know if it did. If it op- maybe it opened in one theater somewhere, but I'm pretty sure it didn't. Yeah, because um, I made an effort to see this in uh, New York um, I was trying to get a screening out here in Grand Rapids, but not enough people pre-ordered uh, their tickets, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I understand. There's not there, it's unknown director, not no no big names and stuff, and 
like trying to say, oh, it's an intellectual science fiction movie. You know, <laughs> let's get the whole yeah. family together or whatever. I, I understand. But um, I, this is kind of up my alley. It's, I liked uh, Brian Tallarico's description of it being sliding upstream color. Um, just huh. the, the sliding doors meets upstream color feel that I got from the movie. Uh, and it's just weird how this... I don't know if it's... This is tough because it's like a movie you don't want to spoil too much. But at the same time, it's a recurring um, theme in, a, in movies this year was the doppelganger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... I, I, to, to you know, other degrees, I, I liked most of them very much because they're questioning identity, and I really liked the philosophical approach. But this one plays a little bit with quantum physics and decides to take the improvisational approach to uh, filmmaking. And I wasn't even aware of that when I saw it. I, I, I later find that found out that a lot of the dialogue is largely improvised. The only False note for me comes when they basically spell out Schrodinger's cat to the audience, where I feel like it's kind of talking down, but I understand, you know, not everybody at the party is on the same intellectual level, and maybe everybody in the audience, you know, doesn't know, you know, quantum physics and all that stuff. So, and I'm not saying like I do entirely, but at the same time, this movie was kind of a mindfuck and like the the idea of taking a dinner party and giving it this weird twilight zone sort of approach really got under my skin and i don't know specifically like what thematically it's trying to convey and i think i need to see it again to make sure that i absolutely feel the way i do you know because when i walked out i was definitely perplexed but i thought in a good way um, and this filmmaker, I'm very excited to see where he goes. I don't know if he'll reach the caliber of someone like Shane Carruth, who I'm a huge fan of. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. I, I, I really love this movie. I thought it was really audacious and interesting and just, um, it, it, it kind of speaks to me because it plays with some ideas that, uh, you know, you have long conversations about in like a existentialism class. And I know how you feel about Waking Life, but whenever you get, whenever a movie gets existential and weird and sort of like becomes a puzzle that you have to try and solve, I'm usually on board with it. And and, and this one was a very interesting approach. Yeah, it didn't work for me. Um, I saw it uh, last last year actually. I got a screener of it from Fantastic Fest, hmm. uh, and I watched it. And to me, it was kind of, it, it started off intriguing, but then it, it felt like the cinematic equivalent of painting oneself into a corner. Um, <laughs> and it just it, it, to me, I don't, it never got itself out of that corner. Like it set up, it had an intriguing premise. Uh, it started off going somewhere interesting. Uh, then I think it just started to not know where it wanted to go. Um, and if it did know where it wanted to go, it didn't take me with it. Uh, so yeah, it I was did, I was not for me. But at the same time, I'm not sure what it's trying to say. And I don't know. Like usually, I can. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a problem too. Yeah, I don't, I don't. You know, I don't think it knows what it was trying to say. I know it, it. You know, it's trying to give you one of those sort of sci-fi, you know, little endings and whatnot. And like, ooh, what does that mean? Yeah. You know, but it doesn't really mean. You know. 
much of anything. It's just you know the director probably doesn't know what it means, and he's gonna not gonna tell you what he thinks that he thinks it should mean. So like, well, you figure it out. I don't know. I just put it up there. <laughs> God. You know? Yeah, we'll see. I I want to see if I feel the same way in a second viewing. Like maybe I'll I'll grasp it a little bit more, and uh, you know, I just not. <laughs> we'll see. Not. You might enjoy it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, you know, enjoying puzzles like that. I, I love, a, you know, a puzzle movie, uh, even if it's a puzzle that can't be solved. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't, you know, you know, I like to think that the guy who makes the puzzle has some sort of idea of what the puzzle is. Yeah, that's that's what's interesting because, I, you know, I learned, I kind of want to hear an interview or read more about his approach all I know is, you know, I heard from another podcast that it was largely improvisational. And despite it feeling that way, I'm wondering if, like, they just couldn't figure out specifically where to go with it at the very end. I, th- I still think it was effective, but I still don't know what it means. And I'm struggling mm-hmm. with fully embracing it because of that. But I still think it's really interesting. Yeah. That's, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Next okay, um, well, I, I suppose the next time I start bemoaning that, uh, you know, Hollywood makes nothing but sequels, that apparently I got nothing nothing to stand <laughs> on, because now my third sequel in a row um, is on my top ten list, and it's it's the new X-Men movie. Oh, Days yeah, of you're Pat. right. I love that movie. Yeah, it's, you know, the, the, here's the, you know, the X-Men series has been... Uh, kind of an up-and-down affair, uh, but it's never been so up that would ever even come close to making any sort of top ten list at any time of the year. Um, you know, for me, like I like the first movie. I think the second movie uh, is 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 very overrated. Uh, then you got Brett Ratner. Uh, then you got X Men Origins, which is horrendous. Um, and then you had yeah X Men First Class, which rebooted things in a very positive direction. Um, and that, again, I thought good, but you know, still sort of has sort of the same sort of. You know, sort of not you know not so great quirks of the like the original film which is like oh, look we're got like eight more mutants introduced oh okay um <laughs> and then uh, and then I like the Wolverine the the standalone Wolverine movie I thought was was a solid little I still entry need to see that I, and I'm a James Mangold fan so I don't know why it's, I haven't seen it's it. good it, yeah. and I haven't seen the director's cut yet I'm curious about that because I think there so, the, probably a bigger scope there that you know could have been fleshed out a little bit more. Uh, but it's it's a it's a it's a good movie and there's good action in it and Jackman is just is really terrific in it and this new one the Days of Future Past and Brian Singer I've been you know, very hard on over the years uh, you know I mean I, I'm a usual suspects fan but the last you know Superman and Jack the Giant Slayer and you know some of these other ones have not not have been on the train with uh, but I, this is the best movie he's made in quite some time this is the first X Men movie for my dollar that really had the sort of the epic feel that these films have wanted to have since the beginning. Like, you know, even you go back to the first X-Men movie, it was, you know, it was like this, this introduction of all these characters, and the damn thing was 90 minutes long. You know, and then, you know, then the second movie was over two hours long, but the last half hour is them just basically running down a corridor trying to escape from a building. Um, and, and, and this one, it really, like the, like the stakes were really interesting. They were really high. Um, there was, you know, gro- you know, different, uh, growth and depth to some of the, the characters and, uh, you know, where, you know, they were taken. And it wasn't really about, even though there was this time travel element in, to it, it wasn't so much about, 
connecting the dots to the other X-Men movies, because you'd sure. probably go crazy if you tried to do that. But it was really like the growth of the characters in the moment, and the growth of these characters in the past. Um, and you were more interested to see where they were going to end up at the end of this movie, rather than how they were going to connect to the other X-Men movies. And... Again, I think Jackman is, is really good in it. I think Jennifer Lawrence, please, fantastic. Uh, James McAvoy, Fassbender. I mean, the, the casting of this thing is so great. And there's a, maybe one of the best action sequences of the year involving the, the character of Quicksilver. Oh, I love that moment. That, that's the best scene in the movie. It, yeah. And it's it's so good that like a half hour later you're going, wait, what? Why why they leave Quicksilver back there? Come back, Quicksilver. <laughs> yeah, um, and and then and then a half hour later you go like, oh crap, Aaron Johnson's playing him in the Avengers movie. Ah oh, shit, you know that's let <laughs> please. Oh no, Aaron Johnson fan? Are you? No, no. Okay, no. okay. I just I just want to make sure we're on the same page there because he's a uh, yeah he's a uh, yeah. I don't know. He's he's so white. He's transparent. Um. But no, no, I, I, I was, I, this is my favorite of the X-Men movies, and I think, you know, even if this, you know, First Class and Days of Future Past, and they completed with Apocalypse now, I guess is going to be like the last part of this trilogy, if that's what it's going to be, um, they, they, went the, they went the right direction with the series, and I'm, I'm glad they did, because I, I think this is the best one. I just need to point out that you used the words hard on and Brian Singer in the same I, sentence. I, I caught myself after I said it. <laughs> and I was hoping no one else would, but I swear to God, I was sitting there and I almost did the Beavis laugh because I heard myself say it. And I just you know, I, I just for the record, I've never been invited to any parties. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I I I'm actually on board with you on on this one too. I, it might be my favorite as well, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I just. I, I mean, I I went in because I'm just I'm I'm kind of like Colin where. Another comic book movie. Yeah, I'm getting just a a little jaded, and I knew okay. uh, Two movies I'm definitely seeing this summer are X Men and Edge of Tomorrow because they involve time travel, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's my one of my favorite biases to have. Like if I even sat through Clock Stoppers, and I think I brought that up on this show. Uh. Um, So. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a real surprise. Definitely in my uh, top fifteen. I, I man, I, I, that sequence with Quicksilver is incredible. I just beautiful, beautifully put together. I, I I still don't know why Fassbender felt the need to you know tear apart an entire football stadium just to have a conversation with the president, but <laughs> that's that's a minor quibble. I don't know. You you have to like forego logic sometimes, and I understand. I I. I this was a, one of the more entertaining comic book movies I've seen in a while. And I think I lost Eric. You hadn't revealed your number seven yet. Which is... Obvious Child. There it is. Mm-hmm. I... A lot, a lot of... Mo- and you... You go, you go to Sundance all the time. Um, a lot of those movies tend to come across as the same. And... Um, this is like the antithesis to something like Hello, I Must Be Going. Remember that one? 
yeah. with uh, the very charming Mel- Melanie Linsky, where I was like, oh, man, this is just not working for me at all. Like, I have no yeah. investment in this character. That's you exactly know, the type of movie, that's a perfect example of the type of movie I was referencing earlier. Yeah, where it's just... It's just a female take on like a midlife crisis, but it was very detached, and I don't know. It, it's almost like it it tries too hard to f- to focus on pathos without you know really giving you something to grasp onto with with the lead character. Like I use I have like empathy for everybody practically, <laughs> and for some reason like there are some movies, independent movies that come out of Sundance where I even just see an actor or an actress I like, and I. Say okay, I'm I'm gonna give it a shot, and then I'm ultimately disappointed because they just don't do anything new with. Oh, this person has trouble maintaining emotional stability, and we get to spend time with them, and blah blah blah. Yeah, it just gets really old after a while. This is just everything I want those types of movies to be. It's 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 actually very feminist in its approach, and it's a, a nice. Not necessarily romantic dramedy, but it's it's definitely got a great sense of humor, um, but a, a you know a certain amount of emotional um, depth going on as well. It just does everything right. It's, it never goes maudlin or too over the top. I, I think it just it's a really great example of an independent movie that. Um, Everyone should check out. I hope it opens wider. I, I just I, I can't get enough of you know how uh, Jenny Slate has evolved with this movie. It's it's going to be a, a star making performance. It is actually, and yeah, I, I can see her going on to do great things from here on out. I agree totally. Yeah. So, what is your number six? Cheap thrills, baby. Oh my god, I forgot! Oh, wow. Almost seems not fair putting this on the list for this year, because it premiered at South by Southwest last year, and it took an entire year for this damn thing to I get can't released. I believe you forgot that one. That's, that's yeah. a very memorable movie, too. <laughs> yeah. Pat Healy, uh, the great Pat Healy from uh, Compliance and a number of other uh, terrific films. He was the pharmacist uh, in Magnolia. Sorry, I, pharmacist in Magnolia. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's, you could probably get There's a movie on Netflix called In Memory of My Father that Pat Healy's mm. got, a, got a small... Have you seen this movie? No. You probably should. Check that one out. That's a movie that I saw at Cinevegas some years ago. Hmm. And it was one of the first times I saw Pat Healy, actually. And he's got some really funny stuff in that movie. So check that one out, everyone. In memory of, I think in memory of my father, I believe. <laughs> okay. Uh, good, good cast. I mean, Jeremy Sisto is in it. I think Judy Greer is in the movie. Wait a uh, minute. I might have seen, I think Colin might have, yeah, we watched this. On VHS screener or something. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while, but uh, but no, but the cheap thrills. This, this really sort of you know, there, there it seems like there's been a lot of movies like this over the past couple of years. There's a movie called Would You Rather that kind of dealt with sort of similar uh, okay. material. I hated the ending. Would, of Would You Rather? Yeah. Oh, I, I liked it. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm morbid stickling. bastard. Yeah, I, I liked I liked Would You Rather, uh, but but this one's even better because yeah. uh, the, the the tone of the movie. Um, I, I don't think David Koechner has ever given a better f- performance in film. I think Agreed. David Koechner is terrific in this movie, uh, and uh, Pat Healy and Ethan Embry 
Uh, these two guys are basically uh, not necessarily forced, but they they you know sort of talk themselves into playing this you know basically this game of dare against each other uh, for money of this quirky couple that they meet in a bar with you know uh, uh, David Koechner and Sarah Paxton. It's a innkeepers reunion for fans of that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, and, and, but I think it's 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 this really sort of interesting satire about reality television. Is, is what it comes down to, and on top of being, like, really sort of suspenseful and really sickly funny, uh, and has just a, just a terrifically horrific final last shot. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's so, it's so great. Uh, I, I, yeah, this, this is a movie, this is a movie we wanted for last year's film festival, um, and it, apparently it was too soon. We couldn't, it was too soon, we couldn't get it. Um, and, th- and then they waited a whole year for it to come out, and then nobody saw it. But now's your chance, because it's one of my favorite films of the year, Cheap Thrills. Get a bunch of people over and watch this together. Good idea. Yeah. I, I wish I'd seen this with a crowd I know Patrick did at the Music Box, and yeah, the, I would love to see people's reactions. Yep. I, I really do. I need to show this to some more friends. I, I, I really loved it. I thought it was I, a lot of fun and real. Like, I haven't had a really great dark comedy in a while. Like, it's just it's sort of just, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it doesn't skimp on some of the ickiness, but it really has something to say at the same time. And yeah. It's, yeah, I, where the hell has Ethan Embry been? I, I hadn't even thought of him for, since, like, I don't hardly wait. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, it's great. Absolutely, good choice. It's my I'm, it's my number eleven. It, it should have been yeah. on my list, but I, it, I overlooked it for some reason. Okay, um, let's see. Let's disagree once again. Yeah. Because, uh, <laughs> well, it's I will say again, much like the Lego Movie, it's not the masterpiece that I kept hearing about, um, mainly because I think it falters a bit in the third act, and that is Under the Skin. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> and I'm going to say that I'm not going to disagree with you because it's a movie I'm going to rewatch. Yes, I think uh, you should. I'm going to, I'm going to rewatch Under the Skin. I have, I have a copy of it. And it was a movie that when I saw it at Toronto last year, it was in the middle of like six movies that were exactly like that. Oh, boy. So, so you know, when you get in one of those ruts, sometimes it's not the movie's fault. You know? <laughs> And I just, I remember watching that movie, and I was like, oh, Jesus, another one of these, and the director's not going to do anything, and he's just going to point the camera at people, <laughs> you know, and uh, they're like, oh, and then, oh, look, there's a mirror. Um, but, uh, uh, but, you know, but, you know, please go ahead, and you, you tell me why I should rewatch it. I can't imagine, like, seeing a bunch of movies in a row that, like, this... <laughs> yeah. Like, your brain must have been melted by that point. Was, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, well... It it contains some of the most original visuals I've seen in a long time. Um, there's a moment where we glimpse into what's happening to to Scarlet's victims, and it involves two guys reaching out for one another, and there's this huge burst of you know the score, and the part of me, my part of my brain is like, is that you know a jump scare? No, it's it's really one of the creepiest things I've seen in a movie in a long time. I was frustrated with it a little bit. Um, it's another movie a little bit like Coherence where I'm not exactly sure what it's trying to say. Like, initially I walked out of it like, oh, yeah, well, I guess it's kind of saying that all men suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're just like, you know, uh, lust-driven pigs, essentially, and, you know, the 
they're doomed to their fate with what what they decide to to do and i just i know this is based on a book that kind of goes in a different direction and um you know jonathan glazer took a very interesting approach with the sort of documentary feel with having like cameras inside the van and scarlet was actually driving around picking up strangers um Mm -hmm. that's really interesting to me and then once we see what she is what she's doing uh that that was just mind-blowing to me because i uh you know walking into that blackness and and that score was just oh it was so eerie like it was a visceral experience for me like i just kind of felt like what what is going on this is such weirdness and i love it i ate it up but then it takes a turn and i wasn't i didn't understand her motivation for you know deciding i mean i guess i should to some degree based on one interaction she has with a particular character that's very memorable Uh um but at the same time like her transformation kind of let me down not because i didn't buy it but just because it kind of becomes a little bit more conventional in my in my mind and then where it ends up i was like "Mm, i'm not sure if that was entirely satisfying but in terms of originality i think uh i've never seen a movie like this before and i i give it mad props for that i've actually really loved jonathan glazer's work in the past uh like his music videos are really interesting he did a lot of videos for radiohead and i'm actually a i'm actually a fan of birth um, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I, I am i know it's a total uh, kubrickian ripoff of sorts i mean just in terms uh, of uh, the way he approaches uh yeah i don't know i just uh, it's another that's another movie that just creeped me out yeah and I, i'm not a fan of sexy beast either like sexy beast to me is the ben kingsley show for a half hour and then not a lot surrounding it you know, yeah, I I think, like uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think people, you know, that was one of those that just like, you know, Ben Kingsley, like, comes in there like a, you know, like a, you know, a bowling ball, you know, right <laughs> through the middle of this thing in the middle of the movie, and it's so memorable that, I don't know, people really gravitated towards it, but going back to Under the Skin, though, um, I, I hope that when I watched it a second time, that there's more to the movie than just saying that all men suck. Because if that's the, the central thesis of Glazer's work, um, I, I'm, I'm going to call bullshit on it. Only because that if you put Scarlett Johansson in a van and she's going around picking up guys, what guy is not getting in that van? <laughs> okay, I don't care if you're the nicest person on the planet. If you have someone, Scarlett, looks like Scarlett Johansson, is coming at you and says, like, hey, let's let's do this. You know, you could be, I mean, the nicest person in the world, you're getting in that van. Yeah. You know, sorry, so let's, let's you know, I, I hope that there's more to it than that. I, I, there seems to be. There seems to be. But like I said, it's just like, you know, once you, you know, you put you know, put one guy through the goop, and then you pick up another guy, you put him through the goop, and then, oh, this guy's got a bad face, and I'll put him in the goop. Uh, I'm just like, okay, pick, let's let's go, people. Let's. Well, what's interesting, too, is like the, the, the change comes with that guy with the weird face and right yeah i just that's where i was like hmm what what's 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 he getting at here and like the scene with her that even even guys with you know rocky dennis disease are (laughs) 
<laughs> basically is what that's getting at. Yeah, and, and then there's this moment involving her eating a, a piece of cake or a piece of pie that I was like, oh, so this is Starman now. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's like the, It just seemed to change tone and intent at some point where I kind of went... I liked I liked how weird it was before, and I just wanted to stay. And not necessarily, I know it's a it's a repetitive movie, like you're mentioning, but I, I found it very interesting. And I, I it's it's another movie like Coherence where it worked on me intellectually, but when I walked out of it, it's like I don't know what it was trying to say, and yeah. I'm excited to see it again to see if I can maybe pick up on it. Yeah, no, like I said that's I mean that's one of those that like. It was weird, too, because when I saw it in Toronto, like, I saw it, and I'm like, I didn't respond to it, and the people that I talked to didn't really respond to it, and then I got back home to Chicago, and everyone was like, yeah, everyone's loving the movie. I'm like, well, not the people I talked to. <laughs> like, what? Uh, when all of a sudden people, like, like, are loving this movie? Yeah, everybody. You know? All right. What would be, what are we, number five? We're at number five, and I'm going to stick with the sci-fi theme we got going here, um, but uh, I'm going Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Ooh. Yeah. I'm going with the Dawn of the Apes. I'll be seeing that this weekend. Yeah, and uh and here's the th- I mean, you're you're gonna hear a lot of people really praising the hell out of this movie, and mostly rightly so. It it is really I mean, and I th- I think one of the reasons that people are gravitating towards it not even you know, it's one thing that it's that it is ex- really kind of exceptionally w- well made, and Matt Reese has done a really a hell of a job with it, and the special effects people are working overtime to cr- you know create some of the you know the most memorable special effects uh, of the year uh, should win the Oscar going away, as far as I'm concerned, on uh, that department, and 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 keeping it with the sort of the intelligence or the allegorical stuff that the best of the apes movies have been known for, particularly, you know, going back to 1968. Uh, and then what they were trying, they started to build with the, with rise of the planet. Now dawn of the planet, um, this idea that, you know, we got, you got man, you got apes, you know, two species, you know, uneasily coexisting that are also technically part of the same whole, um, whether they want to admit it or not. Uh, and the idea that there can be, you know, on both sides of the equation, there's good, there's bad, and usually the bad will influence, you know, the undecided uh, through fear and, you know, just the worst that humanity or, you know, being a simian uh, has to offer. Um, I, I, it, 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 the people are gravitating towards it because I think we've had so many, you know, empty spectacles, if you will, even even the fun ones, you know, movies like Godzilla uh, and uh, uh, stuff like that, you know, people sort of look at it and go like, hey, it's fun, it's good, but yeah. this really sort of, you know, it, it, it deems towards the intellectual as well. Uh, so it's definitely one of the best films of the summer, clearly, I think, one of the best films of the year. Uh, here's, I, I will interject uh, some some flaws that I do see in the movie though, and then it keeps me from being on the same level with the people who want to put it up there like Empire Strikes Back for God's sakes. It's it's not Empire Strikes Back, so just scale it back. It's still <laughs> really great. It's still really great. Just you know, pull it back a little. Because um, I think there's uh, there's there's stuff during the climax that didn't quite work for me. Um, there's uh, a confrontation involving Gary Oldman. Uh, who I think this character is a little bit underwritten, mainly because he kind of disappears for a better part of an hour in the middle of the movie. 
Um, so, and then when he comes back and we want to sort of believe that there's um, a bit more ambiguity to him than there, there probably has any right to be um, in a good way. Um, and then to sort of see this sort of this kind of empty confrontation that uh, takes place towards the end uh, between good, bad, or, you know, limbo. Uh, didn't quite buy that. And also, I think it's interesting that while people are sort of, you know, want to use the words man and they want to use the words ape, uh, they're really sort of, the, the women sort of get shortchanged mm. in the film a bit. Uh, you know, Carrie Russell is in the is in the film pretty prominently so, uh, but even she's sort of reduced to sort of a male supporter slash wet nurse at times. Uh, and even Caesar, you know, the ape, you know, our 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 hero Andy Serkis, our head ape, um, has you know starts the movie with a family. It's, it's kind of cool. He's got a he's got a, he's got a couple little uh, little apes. He's got an ape son. He's got a new ape baby. Uh, and uh, and he's and he's got a wife. And the wife, the, the the female ape, basically spends the entire movie either giving birth, being sick, or hiding. You know, and so I think that, you know, if it's, I think in the next one, they really have to sort of bridge that gap, you know, between where the women are now to where, you know, we had a female, a very smart female ape in, you know, the 1968 version, which is where obviously we're headed towards. Right. Away, um, so you know, but you know, they're maybe they're nitpicks. I think the female one is 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 one worth talking about. Uh, but it's still it's a tremendous entertainment. There's there's a shot in this movie. I'm not I'm not going to describe it what it is, but there's a shot in this movie that is so deceptively brilliant. Um, and it involves when when stuff starts hitting the fan. You'll know it when you see it because it's it's a brilliantly constructed shot that has you paying attention to one thing, and yet there's so much stuff going on in the background that you really you want to hit the rewind button in the theater and go wait 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 I want to go back and see exactly what I just missed there because there's so much stuff going on in the background. It's it's a it's a terrific piece of entertainment. Yeah, I um, I, I'm I'm pretty hopeful for. The, the future of Matt Reeves because um, yeah. I, I was I was kind of a defender of Let Me In and, and you know I, I realized it was unnecessary but he did a decent job with a movie I thought like oh I, know, I don't want to see this as a remake at all right uh, I mean you know it helps to have Chloe Moretz and everything and Richard Jenkins and but there was there, there's a shot in that movie involving a car crash uh-huh. that I thought was really cool and you know that stood out to me and I I just think, like, I mean, he's not, cons- like, consistently, like, you know, he's not, like, a De Palma or, like, being visually inventive, uh, you know, throughout an entire movie. But he does have those little flourishes uh-huh. that I, th- I I can just, I can see his potential. And I, 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 I liked Cloverfield, didn't love it, but um, I'm excited because I, I, I did like Rise of the Planet of the Apes quite a bit. So this, this is definitely going to be something I'd check out. And I'm not a big, like, oh, I got to see the new summer blockbuster um, you know, type of person because you know I kind of have good options with what I see and what I don't have to see. Mm-hmm. Although I'm writing for a site now where they're like, "Why don't you go see Lucy? Nobody else has signed up for it." <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, well, it's got Scarlett Johansson, so there we go. That's apparently only 89 minutes too. Oh well, okay. There you go. I, I can handle that. Yes. Um. So yeah, awesome. Very excited. Very happy to hear that you liked. Yeah. Cool. Um. Number five for me is. Joe! Mm-hmm. Again, everyone knows how I feel about David Gordon Green. And with this and uh, uh, Prince Avalanche. Yes. He, he's finally getting back to do to doing what he does best. 
his emphasis on nature and middle class workers, father son dynamics. He he really found something special in this too with a performance by a non actor who used to be homeless. Yeah. And uh sadly he passed away, you know, shortly yes. after the film was completed, but god, what a memorable performance he gave. Mm-hmm. Um there's a, just a disturbing tension inducing moment when he approaches somebody by a tree. Good god. Huh. Um and Ty Sheridan, what can you say? Like Terrific. He's like amazing in everything. Mm-hmm. Um and Nicolas Cage, when he's on, he's on and it's great to see him immersing himself into a character wholeheartedly again with this and it did remind me a bit of um uh, like undertow just because it has you know this kind of lo-fi confrontational western of sorts i mean I, i'd say undertow pays you know tribute to something like night of the hunter um just because of you know where it goes and the idea of you know somebody chasing after a couple of kids but here it, it you know, it's it's clear that David Gordon Green and Jeff Nichols are friends. Yeah, <laughs> uh, um, very similar uh, stories with this in Mud. I think I like this one just a little bit more because of Gordon Green's nuances and just. You like, like this one better than Mud? Just a little bit. Interesting. Just, just a little bit. I mean, I think, I think I like the. I think I like the the shootout towards the end in Mud more than the confrontation. In, in Joe, I think yeah. it's like the like if you could just integrate the two, that it'd probably be even better. Um, but again, I just the, the 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 relationship between Nicolas Cage and Ty Sheridan is wonderful to see develop, mm. um, and they're just little weird touches that only David Gordon Green can pull off. He's just he's just a great minimalist director, um, and I, I, this might be my favorite of his since Snow Angels. I think, which I don't know. I mean. Well, Snow Angels is definitely that's actually my favorite David Gordon Green yeah. film. Um, so that that's my favorite, and um, I, I don't I, for me this doesn't come close to Mud. I mean that shows you how high I put Mud uh, up on my list. But uh, th- but this is in my tw- my twenty five of the year. I, I I do I do I do like this movie. And it's not just nice to have Nicolas Cage back in this way, but it's nice to have sort of the old a little bit of the old school crazy. Nicholas Cage sure. in this movie. I mean, he's got some stuff where he he's you know dealing with a dog in this movie, <laughs> and that like that like those moments uh, are just, just like yeah, that's the that's the Cage I want back. I don't want Crazy Cage and Ghost Rider, right. you know, and or you know, like trying to do an Elvis thing. I want Crazy Cage, you know, where you know just random yelling. <laughs> that, that's that's the cage I want, and I got. It was nice to see a, a bit of it back here, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, he's going to find his way into a lot more indie directors' uh, uh, upcoming works because I think that's where he belongs right now. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Okay, number four. Number four. Uh, yeah, it's a summer movie, sort of. Uh, it's open in the summer. It uh, should be opening uh, in a lot more places because it's that good. Uh, and I'm talking about Snowpiercer, baby. Really? Yes. Okay, I got to see this. This is another one that I keep hearing good things about. Yes, and 
I'm telling you, man, th- this movie did not disappoint. Um, I w- I'm always weary when you know the, the fanboys are on some on the train very early with something, and this thing is you know all the stuff, the rumors about you know the Weinstein company or you know Harvey Weinstein is particularly going to take his scissor hands to it, and he's going to cut things out. And when you watch this movie, you just you, you kind of it makes you interested to see what the Weinstein cut would have looked like, <laughs> just to see you know how it could have been butchered. In some way, because it's 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 it, you know the movie is like about just about two hours long in, in its current form, and you just, you can't see anything really being taken out of it. It's it's just this really wonderfully constructed sci-fi action piece about getting from one end of a train to the other, a train that's going around the world because global you know cooling or global warming has wiped out all the Earth's population, the poorer in the back, the richer in the front, and it's you know it's like a it's like a video game scenario where you have to get to the top of a building. It's like the raid in a way. You know, it's yeah. a very it's a simple simple premise. Uh, and yet every scene sparks some new sort of surprise. Just some new just something twisty just something that you weren't expecting uh something that really takes you off guard uh just uh you know the way this thing is put together really keeps you on your toes for all of its two hours uh and then it ends with one of those you know there is action involved at the end but but leading up to the action it has one of those great hero versus villain type monologuing type stuff where you know it's it's very well i I was gonna i almost spoiled if you don't know who is, you know, starring in this movie, I mean, you, I mean, it's, it's Chris, it's Chris Evans, it's Jamie Bell, uh, Tilda Swinton, obviously. Uh, but if you don't know who's waiting for you at the end of the train, I recommend you don't go to IMDb or you don't look at the poster or you don't read any reviews or anything like that because finding out who is at the end of the train just filled me with such joy. Hmm. Uh, and especially since that person is, was going to be like, you know, laying out the the whys and the ifs and all that kind of and the whens and all that kind of stuff involved with what you've been watching for the last hour and a half uh and it really sort of makes you debate just like hmm yeah yeah and it sort of has this really great sort of real world parallel obviously you know with the class society and all that kind of stuff and on top of it being a really just tremendous action picture yeah i like the director a lot um he did Mother, Memories of Murder. Uh, did he do not the Good and the Bad and the Weird? Did uh, the host? Yes, the host. There we go. Which is yeah. the, no, I'm not a fan of. I'm yeah. not, I'm not a fan of the host because I don't think that the the tonal shifts in that movie worked for me. Hmm. Yeah, I like it. I don't love it. I, I I think Mother was the one just because I love a good murder mystery and you know again like a, a lot of. Um, a lot of a lot of Japanese cinema tends to you know it tends to go very long and they like to draw things out, uh, but for some reason that movie completely worked on me and I I I've, I'm really excited to see Snowpiercer. It actually surprisingly opened up in Grand Rapids at kind of a crappy theater and I was just like whoa that's I mean every now and then they just throw something like a random indie film there. Like, they even showed a documentary called Fed Up, which I was like, what is that doing here? You know, just randomly, and I was like, maybe they'll show coherence. But no, (laughs) I don't think they will. I'll I'll definitely check it out real soon. I'm I'm stoked. Yeah, it's terrific. Number four, we'll just briefly go over, because you pretty much covered this one very well, and that's How to Train Your Dragon Part Two. Yeah. Uh, 
It's it's wonderful. I mean, the actual action sequences sort of exemplify 3D done right. Uh, and it gets really dark at one point. It does. It, it took me aback. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, I was even tearing up. And, I mean, that, that kind of happens with, with a character like Toothless, too, where if you've ever owned a pet, you're just going to be smitten with Toothless. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, like, this, this, it just expands upon our, a really well-established universe and uh, I, I don't know. I think it's almost on par with the first one. I, I, I mean, most of the jokes work in this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's one of the rare times I don't find T.J. Miller annoying. Um, that's, I don't know. Saying, that's saying something. I yeah yeah. Like he's kind of hard to stomach in Silicon Valley. It's like uh, I, w- I wish I could love Silicon Valley. Uh, there's just there's some there's a disconnect with me in that show. It's, mm-hmm. it's a show I'm I should like a lot more than I do. I don't dislike yeah. it, but I just I don't know why it's. Anyway, I really love How to Train Your Dragon too. I, it's exactly what I want from an animated movie, and it's you know again, I just I'm glad this is going to be a trilogy. I think I think it's really exciting. I think you know kids are going to love it, and obviously you will find something to latch on to in uh-huh. this movie, especially if you you know have a strong relationship with your parents. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's great. I I was I, I was a huge fan of the first one, and the second one is almost as good. All right. Hey, we're in the Move top on. three, right? Yeah. Um, and, and I'm looking, just looking over my list here and recognizing patterns as I tend to do just by just by osmosis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I swear I did not mean to, to put three end-of-the-world type movies right in a row like this. That's just the way it plays out. Um, and you have, you know, one, two movies in the future. Well, I'm going way back in the past for this one. And uh, the movie I'm talking about is Noah. Really, Darren Aronofsky's Noah. Yeah, I, I th- this hardly play. I was really surprised it didn't do well. I mean, I guess you know, there's just some people are just like, oh no, I hope it's not like Evan Almighty. No, <laughs> well, no, no, but but I think the move, the reason it didn't do well is because it had a lot of bad press going into it. Yeah, it did. Uh, Paramount didn't do a good job getting the word out. They they didn't embrace the press's. Um, love of Darren Aronofsky for the most mm-hmm. part um, and they, they, they let the rumors of the budget and uh, you know the quote unquote liberties taken with the bible uh, to sort of you know get out of their control and they didn't do a good job of reeling that stuff in the movie still made a profit you know anyone who says that Noah is a disappointment or a bomb uh, is wrong because the movie you know did well enough you know in the US and worldwide to uh get a profit you know that's depending on which budget you believe of course but um it, it's not it's not a bomb by any stretch so but it, it, it's it's you know it's the it's the noah story you know through the eyes of darren aronofsky a guy that clearly you know has some sort of uh grasp on you know faith and you know aspects of religion and the sort of the search for something you know this sort of the the unreachable uh, limits of sort of human endurance and faith, uh, and th- this was a, this is a really sort of taxing uh, experience. Um, a, a beautiful experience. Uh, Russell Crowe, I don't think has been this good since Cinderella Man. I think it's his best performance since then. Um, I you know I, and I and I tend to run a, you know sometimes cold on Darren Aronofsky. I was not a big fan of Black Swan. 
that was that was you know it was a very silly place. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, but you know but the wrestler Requiem for a Dream, please you know terrific films. And the, the, to me this is this is up there on par with those. Um, I, I think you know as biblical movies go, um, it was its own experience. It it you know it took what was there in the Bible. I mean the story of Noah in the Bible is really it's just it's you know it's a few columns. It really is. I mean, it's, it's, it's expanded more in, like, children's editions and storybooks than it is in the Bible. It's, you know, it's actually a very, you know, it's like maybe two and a half pages tops, you know. And, yes, he does get drunk at one point. He does, you know, when the journey's over, he has a drink. Oh, no. He has a couple drinks. It's in the Bible. He's drunk and he's nude. Oh, my uh, God, just like Jesus having sex in Last Temptation of Christ. Yeah. No. Oh. Well, okay, well, that part wasn't in the Bible. But, uh, but, again, but just um, seems like a natural response, you know, a natural uh, progression of what uh, what is in the Bible. But, um, but yeah, but everything, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, even even the sort of the, the liberties or the um, sort of the, uh, you know, we'll, just go with, we'll go with liberties or the sort of the uh, presumptions of what he read in, like, the Dead Sea Scrolls and stuff like that and, you know, his own interpretations and whatnot are there on the screen. You know, you, when you say the words rock monsters, you know, you're, gonna, <laughs> you're going to put some people off. Just like, there are no rock monsters in Jesus' time. You know, well, it's Old Testament. Um, but, <laughs> but still, um, I, it, it seemed like a, a, it was an interesting take on the story and it again it roots itself in you know things that are just as relevant today as they were back then i don't care how clean their teeth were you know i don't you know these little nitpicks that people wanted to throw throw at this movie um are just completely unfounded and ridiculous uh noah's a beautiful film uh it's an exciting film it's a very again a taxing film on one's nerves at times Mm. uh and uh i think ultimately you know a a really terrific movie Aronofsky's a challenging director, and uh, I am a fan, so I just, I, I don't know why I didn't rush out to see it. I mean, it wasn't just, be- like, because I was hearing bad press. I was just, I don't know. I mean, Russell Crowe and you know, in, in, you know, in a Noah movie, I just, there was just something about it that didn't necessarily, like, make me want to rush out, but um, I'm going to see it. There's no doubt, yeah. because I, I do love the director, and... Um, I think you and I are kind of on similar ground with uh, like really getting into religious allegory and like th- the question of faith in in when they when that's approached in movies. Yes, you know, and you know, contact, prestige, th- those th- those types of themes just really resonate with me. When you have the discussion and you're not sort of putting a rubber stamp on a definitive, you know, yeah. yes or no answer on that. I think you know, introducing the topic and and having it out. Basically, just having it out, I think, is the way to go, yes. rather than your heaven is for real or God's not dead type movies that really want to say, like, just like you know, they pretend like they're kind of having the discussion, but they're really not. They're really going to give you the rock star Jesus by the end of the movie. Um, and, you know, that, you know that, that doesn't interest me. I'm more interested in the discussion. Or the rock me sexy Jesus. So yes. Nothing exactly. wrong with that. I haven't seen, yeah, I have not seen Son of God, so but <laughs> I also didn't see the Bible miniseries. Okay. Well, number three, I mean we, we we had a nice little moment where we agreed, here we go again. Grand Budapest Hotel Loved it. Loved it. Are you still there? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, I'll be here. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm uncomfortable, I'm done with, uncomfortable I'm, silences. Yeah, I'm done with Wes Anderson. 
Sounds like it. Yeah, I, I just, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm tempted to watch this movie again just because everyone, you know, again is praising it to the high hilt. But I don't have the same urgency that I, that I would with, uh, that I do with Under the Skin. Uh, not just for obvious reasons with Under the Skin, but um, just because his, like his, his brand of quirk has just run its course on me and that's all I saw. I didn't see any deeper subtext with this movie and if there was it's completely drowned out by his you know his pastels and stuff and I'm just I you know this is a guy that I supported very early in his career I you know Bottle Rocket terrific uh Rushmore one of the 10 most overrated films of all time what? yeah I, I still I stand by that uh no, I, still, I should have you on for the Wes Anderson episode you should you really shouldn't um <laughs> but I, I still don't know what the other nine are on that list, but I, I, I stand by it. It's one of the ten most overrated films ever. But then Royal Tenenbaum's one of the ten best films of that year. So I, you know, I was running Roller Coaster with him for a while, and uh, I haven't liked anything he's done since Darjeeling. Wow. Just take everything Eric said and flip it. Yeah. Uh, I think this is a, kind of like a screwball comedy. Um, it's, it's, it's very zany, and like... I um I, I recently discovered like um oh my god and I, I shouldn't have said that without remembering the title um I think it's unfaithfully yours and there's like there, you know and obviously like it happened one night like these, just these really good fast paced screwball comedies I've always obviously going back to even when I was a teenager and saw His Girl Friday mm-hmm. I just that that is just my brand of humor I love that era mm-hmm. and I wouldn't say like okay you know this is Anderson's complete, uh, you know, immersion into that uh, approach of comedy. It just has like this weird c- cartoonish absurdity going on, and yet I will say it's not laugh out loud consistently funny. I think you again, if you are completely um, tuned out with Wes Anderson's pastels and his <laughs> and his style, I understand that. He, he, I just think he he's so playful with set design. And, you know, the tone, it just, again, like, has this cartoonish quality that I just, like, the smile never left my face the entire time. I just, I love his visual prowess. I think he's really inventive. Like, the the little, the the sled chase. I mean, I don't know. Like, there's just moments that I kind of went, wow. I just, I, I think I'm with Nick where when Wes Anderson puts out a movie, I just, I breathe a sigh of relief and just smile. Because I just, I, I, there's just something about him as a filmmaker that brings me joy every time. Mm. And I, I thought Ray, Ray Fiennes was was great. I really did. So I mean, it, it, again, if it's if it's just not your thing, that's totally understandable. But I just, I, I've, I think so, do, when he did Fantastic Mr. Fox, something clicked where he just sort of got a little bit more playful and less melancholy in something like Darjeeling Limited. I, I, I really like. What he's what he's up to these days, and I will say it does come across more as like Wes Anderson's greatest hits, but <laughs> including the cast, some of which just like show up for one scene and leave. Uh-huh. Um, but if you know if you're a fan of the guy, this is what he does, and he does it well. So so there. <laughs> if you say so. Yeah. Well. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, it, it's it's quite possible, you know, with his next movie, if it's literally like just another you know, version of his shtick. I mean, I'm not saying, like, Wes Anderson's going to make a horror movie and shock the hell out of us or something, but 
I'd like him to to veer out a little more for sure. But uh, the the funniest thing associated with Wes Anderson that I've seen or heard in the last um, three months, uh, well, we'll just we'll just say the last few years. Uh, Bobcat Goldthwait was at our film festival this year, and he was doing his Q and A for Willow Creek. And I don't remember what exactly led up to it, but just for some reason, he just like. Uh, he was just talking about. He just brought up Wes Anderson for some reason, and he just goes, "It's just fucking luggage, Wes." <laughs> just like, and it was, I swear to God, I I laughed harder than I've laughed at anything in a Wes Anderson movie probably since maybe Bottle Rocket. I, I swear to God, I just I that it just it killed me. Oh, Bobcat, you're the, he's, he's actually coming to town here, and I'm yeah. I'm, I'm I, I still want to see him. He's hilarious. Seen Willow Creek yet? I didn't love it. I thought it was okay. Yeah, that's it's not one of my favorites of his, but yeah. I think it's I think I think it's an interesting thing. You know, <laughs> I yes. think it's you know, I think it's an interesting, you know, it's like he wanted to do a found footage Blair Witchy type movie, uh and he did it in his own way. And like the like those that was like that 20 minute stint. Yeah. That's that's the, that's the part I loved. Yeah, I was mean, sitting there I'm just like cuz you almost it's like he's daring you to think he's going to cut away from that and it just, it just keeps going it's like the joke and they came together with the bartender yeah yeah you know exactly sequence except it's played for absolute fright mm-hmm. um and, and it, it works and I, I i mean i admit like at the end i was kind of like oh okay so it's over then oh okay well i'll go on to the next thing and i was you know and then you put it away and just like okay yeah i like I enjoyed that for 78 minutes or whatever it was and then I move on to the next thing like my number two what is that everything is awesome my friend yeah I figured it was gonna be high yeah the Lego movie man I you know this is like the you know the epitome of movie going joy to me I mean you know we complain so much like you, you talked about sort of the ADD sort of mentality with movies these days and um, whether that applies to every animated film or not um, you know is another discussion uh, but this movie you know it, 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 it plays ADD for, for a reason you know because the movie is playing with the sort of the, the child's perspective involved like if you were a kid playing with Legos at a certain age, this is exactly how you would be playing with those Legos. Uh, and I think the animation style is just just wondrous uh, to, to sort of look at. Uh, just the, the you know, like you said, just it's just it's an exuberant film from start to finish, and it just the energy level never lets up. Um, it you know it's got you know just joke after joke after joke and jokes on you know I mean I think there's another movie that you could also put in you know that certainly owes a little bit of style to Zucker and Abrams with just the amount of jokes packed into every frame. Yeah, yeah, good point. And then, and then, you know, at the very end, just when you think it's run out of jokes, it hits you like a, like a freight train yeah. of emotion with this, this final act that you, you can kind of sense it might be headed towards in a way, but then you watch them pull it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they pull it off, and you know, for you know, for guys like you and me, you know, what that ending means to guys like us, uh, it, it's just it's it's kind of devastating. Yeah. 
way, and then at the same time, it has one of the funniest last lines I've heard all year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's for sure. And again, and, and it sounded like something that you know I would have heard growing up. Right. Uh, and so no, I think I think Lego Movie, you know, it is the best animated film of the year. Um, you know, I, Lord Miller, I know, are get, get get a lot of praise for their Jump Street movies. I don't know why. Because uh, they're funny. I, I don't think they're <laughs> but they're anime I think I mean Lego movie is a step above anything they've ever done uh, I'm a fan of Clyde with a chance of meatballs I think that's a fun movie uh, but th- this movie you know took it to a stratosphere that uh, the anim- you know animation in general needed needed this movie because last year was such a dreadful year for animation it's been kind of dreadful out there for animation for a while uh, and this movie really uh, infused life into wanting to see more um, another animated film where it was getting to the point where it's like, oh, great, another animated film where they're not going to put a lot of effort. And here mm-hmm. you just saw the effort on screen uh, and you know everything like that was associated with it. And it just, it's a beautiful, funny, hysterically funny movie. Uh, and it's my number two. I wouldn't say hysterically funny, but it is very funny. Mm. And uh, that's just... That's the only strike. Like, there's just some jokes where I kind of rolled my eyes, which uh, was probably all you did for Grand Budapest Hotel. Well, I, 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 the (laughs) smile, like, I tuned out of Grand Budapest after about 15 minutes. I'm just like, okay, this is, this is what you're going to be? Okay. You poor soul. No. Well, okay, number two, the, obviously the last two movies are really going into personal territory. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's very rare that I, you know, bring forth like a caveat like, okay, this movie hasn't officially been released. It's a short film. It's a documentary. And I know it played at your festival. And a lot of people know that, you know, I I went through, uh, in high school, a very weird experience involving uh, a rare disease. uh, And... I have oh, not. Okay. I have not seen uh, a, a movie, although number one is very close, that made me cry as hard as the lion's mouth opens. Yeah, Plus, you know, I mean, this is this is cheating a little bit. It is. I know it is. Gonna, just, you get a free pass on this one because I am I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you on whatever you're about to say. Is I mean, obviously, short films don't get major release and. I mean, I don't know how it's going to be released. You probably, I'll just probably have to wait till it comes out on Vimeo or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is um, a suspenseful tearjerker that lasts about 15 minutes. Yeah. It, uh, it it unfolds in basically two acts. First is just like a gathering of family and friends, giving uh, moral support to uh, Mariana Palka, I believe. Yes. And she was in a movie called Good Dick. Did she write and direct that too? Yes. Yeah, I actually really like that movie. I do too. And so, you know, it, it you know, she's ha- she is basically dealing with the possibility that she may or may not have Huntington's disease. And there, there's some recognizable uh, people in the room with her that you know have su- are her basic support center and. The second act is a trip to the doctor's office, which reveals the test. This is just, it's, it's short, it's simple, but it's incredibly empathic and a showcase of what it feels like to not know what's invading your body. Um, and having gone through something very similar 
it was just like, oh my god, I you know I fell apart, and I absolutely um, feel for her, and and I just I just want people to experience this incredible short documentary, and uh, I, it's funny because like I. I don't know if I've seen a lot of Lucy Walker's films, but uh, recently I, I caught up with the Crash Reel, and I also really like that a lot. Uh-huh. So I want to see more of her work. I I just wanted to make sure that this got a shout out. I know <laughs> it's a cheat, but it's just you know one of those incredibly personal experiences that I just couldn't leave out. Yeah, I'm I'm going to expand on that a little bit because sure. obviously I've seen the film and I I think it's extraordinary too. Um, it 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 knocked me on my ass mm-hmm. uh, by the end of its 15 minutes. Uh, and and you you have your own personal attachment to it. Uh, I have a little bit because uh, the the film you mentioned, Good Dick, uh, whatever year that was at Sundance, 2006, 2007. I don't remember which what year it was. Uh, but it was actually my favorite film from Sundance that year and I sort of I, I praise it to the hilt I, I wrote a, you know, a lot of really strong things about it um, it wasn't everyone's cup of tea but it was mine and I, I, I shouted from the rooftops um, and then you know some sometimes I, mean, I, I, I like heard from a guy like a thank you from Mariana mm-hmm. uh, and whatnot and then some years later she had a she was like a, a part in some film that was playing in Toronto and somehow we had like got in touch on the internet, like she was gonna be there, and I, you know, she was like, we were almost, we almost went out for coffee, kind of thing, uh, and we never, we couldn't make the connection, you know, and then I, I saw this movie, and I started praising it to the hilt all over again, yeah. and it's, 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 it's a, it's, it's. Ooh, yeah, uh-huh. it's, 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 it's not an easy film to watch, um, because it's, it's incredibly t- intense. Um, and it's, and the, the reactions of the, the people involved, uh, trying to keep the spirits up of someone whose life is about to change for the better or the worse. Uh, it, it's, it's really, it's, it's really quite a thing. Uh, so I'm really glad that you mentioned it. Yep. And, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens from, from here on out. Yeah. And give, give the name out again. People need to know what the, the name lion's. Mouth opens. Yes, seek I this hope. film. Seek this film out. This short film. Um, you know, any you know, if you have a film festival in your area, uh, you know, get get in touch with them and tell them to seek this movie out and ask them to play it. Yes. You know, get get just get it out there. Um, it, you know, Jason Ritter's in it. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard is in it. Uh, playing themselves. There's there's no acting going on in this movie. At least we hope not. Yeah. Um, but no, it's 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 it it yeah. It 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 hits it hits home. All right, here we go. Uh, yeah, it's kind of amazing that you know we didn't speak at all about what our list were going to be like because um, we've got a tremendous amount of segues going on in this thing. Um, because my number one film of the year so far is life itself. Same. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> there you, go. you know, I did. I, I, I probably could have guessed you were going to say that. No, yeah. no, knowing where you were going, but I, you know, we did not speak uh, about our list beforehand, but uh, here, let's, so let's talk about this film together. <laughs> how beautiful it is. Wow. It's, it's tough too, because of how personal it is and how much, Roger Ebert, as a person, you know, is portrayed in this movie is is quite extraordinary, including 
uh, you know, some moments where he's dealing with his health that I was genuinely shocked by, mm-hmm. that, you know, and just floored. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it, it's funny <clears throat> because, you know, the, the two critics I most looked up to when I was younger did vastly different things. Nick DiGilio of WGN talked sometimes manically <laughs> in a way <laughs> that would excite me to see a movie where, um, with Ebert, his writing right. was, was what made me think deeper about how to watch a movie. And when you got a guy like Steve James on board... Uh, you know he's he's going to capture Chicago very well. Uh, he captures journalism incredibly well, and of course movie criticism. But it's he's just he 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 was able to encapsulate so beautifully what made Roger Ebert so special to anyone who grew up reading his work or watching his show. I I I was beside myself through through most of this movie. I really was. I, I you know it's. I can see some people going, well, it's not a groundbreaking approach to a documentary, but in terms of an emotional... <laughs> Neither are most things that get praised. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand. You know, but it's, it's, for Sugar Man, please. Yeah. yeah 20, 20 right. feet from stardom, please. Yeah, yeah, that's true. The ones that, yeah, the ones that win yeah. the, the awards, you're right. Exactly. Uh, but Undefeated, please. Yeah. But this is just an emotional experience, especially if you've you know, had a personal tie in any way, um, you know, and having met him at uh, one of the Chicago Film Critics Awards uh, the year that uh, Kathy Bates won for Primary Colors and, you know, just shaking his hand and he couldn't have been more generous. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I told him a little story about how my dad got one of his early movie companion books signed for me when I was just a kid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was, you know, watching this is just, you, you're reminded of why you love movies and um, seeing somebody like Roger, you know, become incredibly resilient and just kept up so much uh, optimism throughout an incredibly difficult, uh, you know, health change in his life. I, it's just so inspiring. And, and one of the most inspiring movies I've seen in a long time. Because here's not here, to get choked up. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean here because here's the thing, we all know the critic, we all know Roger Ebert, the critic. This movie want get wants you makes you want to get to know the man. Exactly. You know that's that's and that's why it's not just another documentary because, um, for one, it's a documentary that was being made before he passed away, so it's not just some sort of posthumous document you know you, you know detailing a life story you know and, and then the key to that word obviously is life uh, because uh, you know f- as as full lives go th- this guy had one you know oh, he had yes. you know all the ups and downs um, you know the you know the, the his ri- his ascendancy to become one of the you know you know maybe not even arguably the the most beloved film critic you know ever um, but you know his his you know struggles with alcoholism, and then you know then the way that he would translate movies into the human experience, and the way that he would find the way to incorporate what he would see on screen and have that translate 
and correlate to how he lived his life and how he would deal with and treat other people based on his experiences in the movies. We all say that about movies, uh, and most of us, I'd say 98% of us even, are hypocritical about it. Just like, oh, that movie made me want to stop eating McDonald's. You know, and we, <laughs> you know we, a movie does something and affects us in, you know, in those two hours, and we say, I'm never going to you know, do that again, and then the next day you're doing it. Um, just like, well, you know. Um, but, but, but Roger really, you know, he, he, he took life to heart, and yeah. you, you see you know, the, the experiences of his family, um, and then you, obviously you see the, the sort of the strength that uh, you know that that brought him through these, these last these the painful last years of his life. Um, I mean, he was. I mean, he. I think it was the like the day before he died. He said that you know that while he was going to be you know taking sort of an indefinite leave from writing, he was still going to be active in a way. I, I believe that was like the day you yeah. released that statement. You know, the day before he died. So I was kind of a shock. Uh, to all of us that, you know, when, you know, I remember where I was and I got that text that, you know, he had passed away. Um, and, and I, you know, I mean, I, it's the kind of thing where, you know, watching it, it's, it's regretful that I didn't approach him more often, um, because obviously he was a very approachable person Mm -hmm. and I, it's, it's ironic in a way that I didn't really get to know him and have sort of regular you know even semi-regular communication with him until after he lost his voice yeah. you know it's you know i because i still got a live a lot of emails that i still have saved um just, just little just little notes correspondence you know response to things that i had written things i had you know because <laughs> there was a period where uh his show took a took a turn and i was mm-hmm. writing i was writing some things and he was very appreciative of some of the things that i was saying um and so i have a lot of lot of things and little bits of wisdom from him and whatnot uh but no this 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 movie is more than just uh, a memoriam you know it's really sort of a a testament to n- not just a human being but the, po- the the literal power that of what movies can bring you know which is and it's, it's exactly it, it's the absolutely perfect kind of movie that Roger would have wanted made about his life, and that's why it's the best movie of the year so far. Couldn't agree more. Um, when he, you know, it says it pretty much right at the beginning of the movie about, um, you know, movies are like uh, one big empathy machine. Yes. And that is, you know, that couldn't be more true. And the, the fact that, like, throughout this whole movie, I was feeling such warmth coming from the spirit of this man and um good god you were right about laura dern oh is it yeah why isn't oh. she she should be getting enough praise she should be getting more praise right now for, for just the just her gesture right her gesture oh my goodness yeah yeah this is this is just a, a amazing piece of work and something that like you know when I visit my aunt, gonna watch it with her. When I visit with my mom, gonna watch it with her, just so they they know exactly why, um, you know, I became a movie freak. And plus, they just get to learn about an incredible, you know, human being who did so much in so many ways, and again, a testament to resilience. Yeah. In the face of something really difficult. Yep. So that's just it's it's fantastic. Uh, Steve James, he just God, he's a good. Documentary film. Damn good maker. 
Yeah. Damn good. So rattle off a few more titles that uh, you think are worth mentioning. I, I, I just got five, but if you if you if you wanted to go down, you know, I'll, I'll rattle off a couple more that sure. uh, that you know, almost made my my top ten. Um, you know, just going up. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Yep. I, I think it's terrific. Uh, Blue Ruin. Yeah, Blue, I like that movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. Blue Ruin is good. Cold in July. Didn't Jim, see it. Jim, ooh, if you like Blue Ruin, Cold in July is a must. Okay. Same. That's a that's a double feature right there. Blue Ruin and Cold in July. Uh, Night Moves. Kelly Reichert's. Oh my God! Yeah, I need to see that. That's good. Uh, ba- Bad Words. Jason Bateman's film. Really funny. Oh okay. Uh, Selfish Giant. Have you seen the Selfish Giant? Selfish Giant. Look that one up. Hmm. Look that one up. Little small little uh, film. Uh, look that one up. Okay. Um, and uh, uh, speaking of just fun documentaries, Jodorowsky's Dune. Ah, yes, you stole that yes. one from me. Ah. <laughs> I just watched it. Yeah, uh, that one's on mine, along with Cheap Thrills, Edge of Tomorrow, X Men: Days of Future Past, and Enemy. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, I said I saw like three movies, six movies that were like under the skin. Yeah. One of them. That was one of them. Yeah. Oh man, I. That movie is weird, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. It's you know, it's got the whole Cronenberg thing going on. Oh, I know. Did Nick ever see it? I want to. <laughs> that's one movie. I'm like, God, I, I hope he loves that movie. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't it's, know. Yeah, that, that's. I just I, you know, not every you know, not every filmmaker can be Malick or Cronenberg, and it <laughs> annoys me when they continue to try. Yeah, yeah I thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that'll do it. I'm really excited for the rest of the year. What uh, what are you looking forward to besides Interstellar, or is it just the, the well? Interstellar? I, I mean, I think there's the, uh, there's some strong stuff coming out towards the end of the year. Um, you got Can you Paul, guess what my number one of the year is going to be? Inherent Vice. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say Inherent Vice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean the rest of the summer, I yeah, yeah I don't know. You know, Sin City, I'm yeah, maybe uh, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, I'm just, I'm looking, I'm, I'm cheating now. I'm looking through a, a list of movies, and there goes September, just like that. Oh, okay, Gone Girl, you know. Fin- oh, yeah, yeah. Curious about that. I'm, you know, I might read the book. Uh, the Interview, I gotta admit, curiosity there. The Seth Rogen and James Franco. Oh. <laughs> interested in that. Yeah. Um, Fury, uh, the, the, the Brad Pitt tank movie. Oh, okay. That that looks like that could be very entertaining. Um, I, li- I like movies like that. Who uh, directed that? Uh, d- the uh, David Ayer. David David Ayer is that his really? name? End of He's, Watch and uh, Hard he just, Times. He just did Sabotage this year, didn't he? Uh, he. Oh, uh, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Um, I okay. I'm a Hunger Games fan, so I'm looking. Okay. Yeah. I'm looking forward to Mockingjay. Uh, what else? I, I don't know what to make of the Ridley Scott Exodus movie. Hmm. Did, have you seen the trailer? No, I haven't yet. Yeah, it's a Moses movie where you don't hear sl- the word slaves or Jews mentioned once. Oh, weird. So, I, <laughs> I mean, I guess that's, that's you know, that's marketing going, like, don't say slaves or Jews. <laughs> just don't, don't just stay away from that. Um, but, you know, but it just, it looks like, you know, it's like a Moses movie that's just like, it's like, it's Ramses versus Moses. Oh, boy. Two brothers who went the wrong directions. You know, it's just, that's, you know, it's like, oh, 
Jesus. Will it be as talky as the counselor? I wonder. I, I just, I think, I'm just wondering how it's going to tie into Blade Runner. Um, <laughs> yeah, because there is a god in it. Uh, and then Cameron Crowe's got a new movie. Really? Yeah, Cameron Crowe's got a. a it's untitled. It's coming out uh, on Christmas. Oh. So that's. I don't even. I don't know what it is. Uh, I don't remember who's in it. It just Cameron Crowe. It's untitled. That's enough for me. We bought another zoo. Uh, I don't think so. Mm. Thanks so much for being on. It was great catching up with you. Absolutely, man. Anytime. Um, where can people read your stuff or hear from you? You're all over the place. Aren't yeah, you? you can you can hear and see me a lot more than uh, my writing these days. Unfortunately, my writing is just not as accessible as it used to be. Um, mainly because it's in other places, and partially because I'm doing so much other stuff. Um, I always keep, I hope to continue to rectify that. But anyway, um, you hear me on with Nick Tagilio every Saturday night on WGN from 10:30 to midnight with Colin Suter. Uh, you can see me on. On WCIU television every Thursday morning at 5.30 in the morning talking about box office. Uh, I am doing uh, regular reviews with Gary Meyer now on WGN.FM. Oh, wow. That's yeah, awesome. every every Thursday on, on the, the online, the WGN.FM, uh, every Thursday at 5 o'clock, I, I do movie reviews with him. And uh, occasionally now, uh, it seems to be like every other week, I'm on with Bill Muller on WGN at 12.30 on Saturdays. So, yeah, I'm a little busy. Definitely. <laughs> little, uh, yeah, I'm a little busy in, in, in the Chicagoland area. Um, yeah, yeah. So, which, which I, I do miss, being more accessible to places like the Music Box and <laughs> a lot of special screenings and stuff. But uh, I couldn't take the commuting anymore. I just yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. yeah no, th- things are things are really great out here, and there are some really nice repertory cinemas, and even even the multiplex they they do reserve like uh, you know a couple screens for the occasional indie movie. Um, so I'm 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 really happy with where I'm at. I just uh, every now and then I get a little. Little little homesick for Chicago. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, you know, let's not you know make it too so long as we uh, we do this again. I, yeah. I, you know, Toronto is coming up, so if, uh, be happy to uh, give you a report from there. Please do. I'm. I, that's actually going to be once. Uh, it could happen hopefully next year, but that's going to be my uh, gr- uh, once I graduate from graduate school. That's going to be my my present to myself. I'm finally going to go to. It's a good one. See if you can beat my record of 43 movies. Oh, God. Yeah. Just won't either sleep or shower. Then I'll I'll do that. All right. Well, um, of course, you can find us at directorsclubpodcast.com. Send us an email at directorsclubpodcast at gmail.com. I'm over at Letterboxd. Uh, Instant Jim, you're you're on Letterbox too. Yes, right? I am. Eric the Movie Man. Yeah, same awesome. same as on on uh, Twitter, Letterbox. Yeah, that's yeah, where I, I was reading my list from. Was from Letterbox actually. Nice. I'm slowly coming around to writing reviews again. It's just yeah. it's very difficult to make the time when you've got so much going on. Yes, it is. So um, yeah, just check me out there or at Twitter at Instant Jim, and you're also at Twitter too. Mm-hmm. Very good. Thanks again, Eric. We will be talking to you. Very soon, I'm sure. Sounds good, man. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Bye. Okay, we out. Awesome. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. Everything is awesome when we live in our dreams. Everything is better when we stay together. Side by side.
We bought another zoo!